In the holy name of Jesus, amen. If the people of Nazareth wanted a miracle from Jesus, they certainly got one. Verse 29 could have been the end of the gospel. They rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. One shove and that would have been that. Four chapters in and the Gospel of Luke would have been over. They didn't want to kill Jesus at first, of course. He came into Nazareth after a pretty successful preaching stint in the Galilean countryside. Just before our text, Luke tells us that he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And when he picked up the scroll and read from Isaiah, everyone was rapt. His words were so full of grace. It was such good news. The poor, the captives, the blind, the oppressed, their day was here. It was the year of the Lord's favor. What's not to love about a sermon like that? Everyone spoke well of him and marveled. But then he kept on talking. He had to keep talking because he was a prophet. A prophet says what God says, and that day in Nazareth, God had more to say. And so they rejected him. A prophet's life really has two parts, saying what God says and being rejected. It's the pattern that runs throughout the whole scripture, through Elijah and Elisha, through John the Baptist, and now to Jesus. And although the scripture was being fulfilled in their hearing, Jesus, a prophet sent from God to proclaim good news, was rejected. No prophet is acceptable in his hometown. So what happened? What did he say that was so disagreeable. The change really comes so suddenly, you blink and you've missed it. Verse 22, all spoke well of him. Verse 28, everyone was filled with wrath. So here's what happened. Jesus was preaching good news, but then all of a sudden, his good news was for the wrong people. Even at times in Israel's history when God withheld blessings from his people, he showed mercy to other people, to the wrong people. When Israel went after other gods or listened to false prophets or stopped believing that God loved them, he showed mercy to other folks, like the widow of Zarephath, or Naaman the Syrian. He showed mercy to those who were, at best, outsiders, and at worst, unclean, unholy, undeserving, and in the case of Naaman, the Syrian commander, even an oppressor of Israel. It was too much for the people of Nazareth to swallow. They couldn't believe that the good news was for those people. 
We, we manage pretty well when it comes to imagining God's mercy extended to the innocent and the poor. We'd be okay if God took action on behalf of the oppressed and marginalized, but our sensibilities are tested to the extreme when Jesus asks us to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. He asks us to do that because that's what he does. It's hard for us to believe. It's hard to believe that God's mercy is aimed even at the wicked. But when Jesus stands up in the synagogue and preaches the year of the Lord's favor for the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed, he's talking about exactly those people, the most unholy, unclean, and undeserving. What Jesus reveals when he fulfills Isaiah's prophecy is that everyone is poor, captive, blind, and oppressed. And so the year of the Lord's favor is for everyone. But, good people of Nazareth, they said amongst themselves, whatever those other folks are, we most certainly aren't. And so just like Joseph's brothers, they wanted to kill that dreamer and his dreams. Now what happened next must have been eminently frustrating and confusing for the people of Nazareth. They had worked up all this rage and they were going to give Jesus what he deserved. And then they got the miracle that they were hoping for. Jesus passed through their midst and walked away. I don't know what you do if you're in an angry mob and something like that happens. I guess you just have to shrug your shoulders and pretend like you weren't really so enraged in the first place. It's no big deal. We didn't really want to throw him off the cliff anyhow. But they did, in fact, want to throw him off that cliff. They were so undone by the thought of good news going to the wrong people, they couldn't believe it. And so they were ready to kill the messenger, the prophet. They rejected him just like every other prophet was rejected. But unlike other prophets, for whom this would have been the end of the story, Jesus walks away. The story then goes on for some time. This was just the beginning. The scriptures were being fulfilled. And Jesus lived a life of proclaiming good news to all kinds of the wrong people. He had supper with tax collectors. He consorted with prostitutes. He did favors for foreigners. He touched the unclean. And he forgave sinners. Then one day, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas led another angry mob to Jesus. But this time, unlike at the edge of the cliff in Nazareth, there would be no miracle. This time, Jesus let himself be led away. He was bound to live out the prophet's life, saying what God says and being rejected. But Jesus would do it in a completely new way. 
He was here to fulfill the scriptures, and that meant that he was here to prove and to carry out the promise that his good news is for everyone. Jesus thrown off a cliff by an angry mob would have meant nothing for you and for me. If that were the end of the gospel, that would have been the end of his good news. But as Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was rejected not just by the people of Nazareth or by the Jews or by the Romans. He was rejected by his own heavenly Father. He was willing to suffer even that in exchange for the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. He suffered hell so that all of the wrong people could hear his good news. It's hard to believe, especially when we think of our enemies or those who hate us, And often it's hard to believe that it's for you and for me. But when Jesus fulfilled the scriptures, he didn't just offer words or miracles as proof. That day on the cross, he gave up his whole self to the Father in exchange for us. His very body and blood are now ours. What more could he give? That's how you know that it's true. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.